Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. So last week, Sean started talking to us about transparency and vulnerability. And it was just going to be a one-message one sermon. And then we had people come up and ask us if we could go over it again in a different way to clarify some points. And so Sean was like, Misty, you're up. Ha. So I'm up. Whether you like it or not, I'm here. <laughs> All right. I feel like I'm crooked. I'm not straight. Sorry. It's going to be like that today. All right. So one of the things that we really wanted to make sure was a, a strong point from last week. I have water. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Not very transparent. Well, it might have been too transparent. I don't know. So, so one of the things I want, to, I want to say about these message series is this. This is, let me term it like this. This is an all about me message. Okay? And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is simply this. When, I'm, when we're talking about being transparent and vulnerable, I don't want you going, oh, yeah, my husband needs this. Oh, yeah, that lady that sits over there on that side of the, of the room needs this. I wish my mom was listening to this. I, I really want you to think about this is an all about me message. Okay, this is about me listening to the Holy Spirit for me, not for my neighbor, not for my brother, not for my husband, right? This is a message for me to look at myself. Because one of the things that Sean had talked about last week was, taught, was, was if we get offended, then we, need to, we might need to go to somebody and say, hey, the way that you're responding is hurting me. Like, I might need, like, that is one of the things we call assertive communication. It's healthy communication. But what that can look like then is I begin to go, oh, good. Now every single thing, little whim that I have needs to be corrected so that everybody makes me happy. That's not at all what we're talking about. Okay? What we're talking about is learning, like, a culture. What we're trying to do here is to create a culture of transparency and vulnerability. Why? Well, in the beginning... When God created Adam, he watched Adam for a little while, and then he says, it's not good that Adam's alone, right? And so then he created Eve, right? In that, you see the concept of family beginning. God created us and recognized that us by ourselves, me by myself, is not good. It's not healthy. It's not whole. I need family to come alongside. I need family to grow. And so what does it look like to create a healthy family? Well, it looks like something. And the Bible is very clear about what that looks like. Sometimes in America, we have English words that look a little bit different or concepts that might not be the word vulnerability might not be thrown throughout all of the New Testament, but the concepts are there. But first, I want to, I want to say this. Transparency and vulnerability, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like and what, what that means for us, but I want to break it from the culture for a few minutes, okay? Transparency and, and vulnerability in our American culture in this day is kind of like this. Well, that's who I am, 
It's who I'm always going to be, and you need to accept me for who I am. Right? There's a bit of an attitude. There's a little bit of, I'm unwilling to move. I'm unwilling to bend. I'm unwilling to change because this is who I am, and you can either like me or not, but if you don't like me, then you're not, into- you're not tolerant. Right? Like, there is a culture here that says, my transparency, you can see what, who I am, and if you don't like me, well, then you need to adjust. Right? That's not biblical, cult- biblical transparency or vulnerability. All right? I, I want to kind of show you guys what this looks like, because we are here. We've, we've talked about this in a hundred different ways. I'm, I'm going to get my words right here. We've talked about this in a hundred different ways, but I, I want to... We want harvest to be a place where you become. We don't want harvest to be a place that you be. And the difference is, one's a sitting place, stagnant and changing. This is who I am. You're not going to change me. You know, you're called to love me because that's what Jesus says you have to do. And I'm being here. I am here. I'm, does that make sense? We are called, we want harvest to be a place where you become. It's an active motion. We are becoming more like Christ. We should be becoming more like Christ. Even Paul says, I don't have the scripture for it, so the people don't need to panic about that, but in um, Philippians 3, he's talking about how Paul was born like into the best, like he was born, you know, as a, as a pure Jew and how he was, you know, he was being trained up under the best people. He was actually one of, he was one of the best students and he, they called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was really amazing in all of his world, right? Like he was born into the proper family and he was being raised, he was being tutored by the right people, like all of the right stuff on the right side of the tracks, everything was going really well for him and then enters the cross, Right? And, and he says that I count it all as trash. I count it all as rubbish. Everything that I was is, is done. And here's, here's what he says after that. He says in verse 13, says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal and the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. He didn't consider himself as someone who's arrived Paul never became a bee. Paul was always becoming. Right? And that's something that we are calling each one of you guys here at Harvest to do, is to become. Become more like Christ. Become more like who God's called us to be. In your own unique way, in your own um, beautiful personalities, you need to become more like Christ. So when we talk about transparency and vulnerability, it's in the context of me paying attention to me, and it's also in the context of becoming, okay? So who knows, you might need to be over 35 to answer this question, all right? Who knows what this is? Can you see it? It's a transparency. Why is it called that? Because you can see through it. Because why? Because it's transparent. (laughs) Right? So you can see what's happening on the other side of this. 
Did you guys know that there's this phrase for um, pastors and their families? They, there's a phrase that the culture has, um, for I think for worse, used. And, and their comment is, um, oh, well, pastors live in a glass house. Okay, so in my understanding of what that looks like, you know, picture a glass. Like, think about what does a glass house look like? Glass. So it's, it's like my walls are like this. Does that feel very safe and secure? No. And what comes with that philosophy is this. It's that we as a culture feel like we have the right to look in and judge the person we put on the platform. It's a judgment culture is what it is. Oh, you guys live in a glass house. That means that everything you do is being scrutinized. That means that everything that you do is being watched by the world. So your kids, they better perform exactly like, they are, like, like they're supposed to. They better be little Jesuses running around. I, I don't have little Jesuses running around. I have kids that are becoming. Right? We, we put people on a platform and we, we put them into a glass house and we think that as the members of a church, we get to judge others, right? And we're like, well, you should have a transparent life. That's not biblical transparency. Transparency is actually me choosing to be transparent. It's internal. It's a choice that I make on the inside of me. It's not your judgment that makes me have to become like I am or like you think I should be. It's me choosing something, right? Transparency, by definition, I think you guys do have a definition up here. It is the quality of being seen through. Imagine that. It's the quality of being seen through. In a person, this means being open and honest. Okay, so just stop there for a second. This is what we're wanting to create at Harvest. We're wanting to create a choice where we, as Harvest, as the members of Harvest, we choose to be open and honest with people. Transparency is where I choose to say, you can see what's going on inside of me. You can see. I'm going to be open and honest with you. When, you. when I come in on a Sunday and you see me and you're like, hey, Misty, how are you? And I say, I'm great, when I'm literally not, not great. There's nothing in my world that's great. Maybe there's not anything good that's going on. That's not me being transparent. Right? Transparency looks like, you know what? I'm having a rough day today. Oh, I was just greeting you, you know? We've actually had people laugh when we say that. We're like, oh, it's a rough day. And they're like, ha, 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 that's funny. You're funny. And I'm like, okay, okay, right? Like, but that's what we're trying to create. Why are we trying to create that? Why would we want to do that? Well, because we're not called to live alone. Because we were created to have family. Because we were created to invest in each other's heart. And here's where vulnerability comes in. And it's a little bit different. Transparency is the quality of being seen through. Right? It's choosing to be open and honest. And I said here at Harvest, we're not hiding from each other. We're willing to show up with our needs and imperfections. Okay? So if I walk in and you're like, how are you doing? And I'm not doing good. I need to be able to say that. That's transparency. Or why did you respond in that way? You know what? I had a really bad moment, and so I yelled at my kids. You know? That's being transparent. What that's not being is vulnerable, necessarily. 
And vulnerability is different, okay? Vulnerability is this, it's scary. Look at Google's definition. Look at that for a second, ooh. It defines, it's the quality or the state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Does any of us like to be attacked or harmed? No, we don't, okay? But here's the difference. So transparency is me telling you who I am and how I am. Vulnerability is telling you why and what's really going on inside of me. Do you see the difference? So I can be transparent without being vulnerable. I can tell you that my life is not doing very well and I'm not, I'm not having a good day. But the vulnerability is when I risk showing up and saying, I need, I need something, I need prayer, I need help. I need to risk my reputation, who I am, with you. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't work well if we're in an unsafe environment. Right? What does it look like when we're not in a safe environment? Well, the moment that we're vulnerable, somebody uses as a weapon against us. Right? And then what do we do? We withdraw because it's not safe. So, so here's the thing. What we're looking for in Harvest, one of our core values is that our leadership team needs to be transparent and vulnerable with each other, and they also need to be a safe place. And we're also not just making that standard for our leadership team, we're making that standard for you. Now, some of you guys aren't a safe place. Okay? Some of you guys are a safe place. Here's the thing. All of us should be becoming. Okay? So here's what, we're, what we need to remember is this. Every single day, the person I am today, I should be a better person tomorrow. And not better as in, oh, I'm just trying to work on myself. It's self-work. No, no. I should be more Christ-like tomorrow. I should have died a little bit more yesterday so that when I wake up this morning, I'm more alive in Christ. Okay? Does that make sense? And then today, I need to die a little bit more to, to my flesh and to who I am so that when I wake up tomorrow, I'm a little bit more like Christ. And so every single day, I'm becoming a healthier person. I'm becoming Christ-like in my actions, behavior, thought life, my act, the way that I respond, my responses. I should be becoming into a place of wholeness and health. And in that, I'm creating wholeness and health for the people around me, right? Like, does that make sense? It's scary to think to be vulnerable, but here's, here's the thing. Without vulnerability, our church can never really help you grow. If our church doesn't choose to step into corporately a place of being healthy and whole and transparent and vulnerable, we'll never truly love. We'll never truly love. Because love is a give and take relationship. And if I don't, so if I, I've been, we've been married, I don't know, 20, 24 years, Sean? What are we, 24 years deep? 24, all right. I was right. Not 25, not yet. 24, all right. So we've been married apparently 24 years. This is, he's better at the numbers, I'm not. I know the day, he knows the, the number. All right, so if I never show up and become and risk with my husband, do we have a good marriage? No, we don't have a good marriage. If I never actually let him see my heart, let him know what I'm struggling with, 
have a conversation about the way that he's responding to me or, or that, you know, or that I'm just having a really bad day and what's happening inside of me. We don't have a healthy marriage because love can't grow on pride and hiding. Love doesn't grow in pride and in hiding. Right? Love grows where there's risk. Love grows where there's the risk of being hurt. Love always grows in risk. Okay? Jesus, when he came to the earth, he knew that he was going to be despised by many, but he risked his life. And he showed himself. He showed up fully as Jesus. And as he died on the cross, he got the brunt of his vulnerability. Right? It did not go well for him. But here's the thing. He did that so he could cover us. He's not asking us to step into something he was unwilling to do. We want to create, on the blue side you see it says this, in, in harvest we want it to happen in a safe environment where I choose to extend my heart to others and risk truly being known. Because that's what it's about. It's about being willing to really be known. That's what love is. Love is willing to risk being known. This is who I am. Are you going to love me still? This is who I am today. Are you going to love me still as I'm becoming more like Christ? Right? So we do that in, we hopefully do that in our marriage relationships, in our heart relationships, but we also have to begin to do it here with one another because we're called into a family, right? And as a family of Christ, we're called to love. How are they going to know us? By our love, love, right? So if they know us by our love, but we don't know how to love each other because we refuse to be vulnerable with each other, then they're not going to know us by our love, right? Because without risk, love cannot happen. Without being willing to show you what's happening inside of me, what's going on inside of me, true love can't really develop. And so here at Harvest, we're wanting to create and we're working. We have been working for 13 years on creating this, this we call it a culture, it's just a culture of transparency and vulnerability, but why? Because we want you guys to know how to love well. And here's the thing. In family, what do we do? Regular family, we are growing, right? We are working with our... If I'm as parent, I am working with my children to help raise them into being healthy, whole adults who love Jesus with everything in them. Right? That's my goal. My goal isn't just to create good little human beings. It's not to create dependent people who are monsters for the rest of their life because they can't leave my house. I'm, I'm literally working to create adults. I'm working to create whole, healthy people who know how to communicate, who know how to be vulnerable, who know how to love well, and who love Jesus with everything in them, right? And so as I'm doing that, I am working with them, and I'm calling them into becoming more, right? And so, so that's one of the things that we're looking at here at Harvest. It's You know, you can be here today and show up and say, you know what, I'm struggling with all of these things. These are this is who I am, this is real, this is me. I'm being fully transparent and vulnerable. This is who I am. And then as a family, we come alongside and we go, Great, that's who you are today. But that's not who God's called you to be tomorrow. And let's walk with you 
step by step through this process that we call reconciliation, it's, it's really just discipleship, right? Let's walk with you, but it first starts with us being real. How many of us come into church sometimes, we look around and we're like, oh, oh, the Breeden family, well, they're perfect. Look at them, all their beautiful little kids, and, you know, Manny's always so sweet and quiet, and, you know, and Elaine and Nolan, they're always perfect, and they just, they come in, and they sit down, and they're just great, and, you know, and Chrissy and Dylan always have a smile on their face, and he always has, has his arm around her, and he's just, you know, like, their, their family's just perfect. I could never be like that. <laughs> we have that perspective, though. We look around, and we're like, oh, look at that family. Oh, look at the Griffiths. All their kids love Jesus, and they're just perfect. They must have just been perfect parents. I'll never get to that. Guys, I love you Griffiths and Breedens, but I'm going to be honest here for a second. They're not perfect. They're becoming. They're great people, and they love Jesus with everything in them, and they are pursuing God with all of their heart, but they're not perfect. But every day they have a goal of becoming somebody better, not just a good person, but somebody more Christ-like, right? It's really a choice to die every day and raise up and become more Christ-like every single day. It's a choice every moment. And, and I want to encourage you, don't look around and just expect what you see here on a Sunday service when all of us get up and we get dressed and we get our kids to church. It's usually cray-cray in the morning getting your kids to, like, when my kids were little, we would literally walk in and like, like Elijah would be drooling on my arm asleep and, and Eden would be the same way on Sean's shoulder. Like they would, we would walk in and we'd like lay them down in the chairs and they're out, you know, and then they would wake up and we didn't have children's church at the church we were at. It was very small. And then my children didn't know how to sit still and they would run the entire, like I was chasing them the entire service going, Oh my gosh, I'm the worst mom ever. Why do my kids have to be so energetic? Why can't they just be little lumps that sit there and be all cute? Like, and take a crayon and color. Like, they don't do that. They hate, they, they eat crayons. Like, you know, and then they try to write on everything that's not supposed to be writable. Like, like the perfection isn't here, but we are becoming, right? But here's the thing. Like, as we raise our children, we're not expecting them to, we shouldn't be expecting them to. Don't expect your kids to be perfect, guys. Okay? Because you're placing expectations on them that they can't ever get to. Because your idea of perfection isn't necessarily Christ's idea of perfection. Right? Vulnerability and transparency in your children is so much more beautiful than the picture of perfection when their hearts are hurt. Right? Rebellion lurks inside sometimes of a really pretty outside. Because we tell them they have to be perfect all the time and we put this expectation on our children and they get punished if they're not and then we teach them just to hide. Right? So many times in our Christian culture we, we are raising our kids and we're like, you have to, we're going into church, you need to put a smile on your face. I know I've screamed at you the entire way here but you better put a smile on your face and you better walk in and act like nothing's wrong. That breaks the father's heart. Because vulnerability starts in your home and it gets modeled. Because what is the culture looking for in Christians right now? 
They're really, really tired of the glass house. They're really tired of us putting on a pretty, I shouldn't say like that, I should say it like this. They're really, really pr- tired of us putting on a pretty face on the outside and having brokenness and tragedy on the inside. They're looking for authentic. They're looking for vulnerability. They're looking for transparency because I'm choosing to be transparent and I'm choosing to be vulnerable at the risk of being hurt. Isn't that what Jesus did? Every single thing that he said was risking something. When he shared who he was with people, when he would say, my father says this, and the Pharisees would respond. These were men who had studied the scriptures their entire life who thought they knew God. And when the Son of God stood in, the, in front of them, they didn't like his vulnerability and his compassion and his love. And they were offended by it. But the world is looking for our authentic, authenticity. authenticity. That's the word. They're looking for that. They're looking for us to show up and to risk something with them. And it starts here. Because our culture is a culture that we're going to help you become. Okay? And as you become, you're out in the world as well, and you screw up sometimes. And you know what? They're like, oh, I thought you were a Christian. How many of us have heard that? Like, I thought you were a Christian. Christians don't do that. You know? And they're usually not a Christian when they say that. You know what? I am I'm becoming. But I'm not there yet. You want to walk with me? I'll walk with you on this journey. You know, if, if you are watching me wondering about my Christianity enough to notice that I messed up, there's something in you that's hungry for that, and you're really looking to see if I'm real. And the moment that I show up and I am real, I make a mistake, and then I say, hey, do you want to join me on this walk? I'll walk with you. What would that look like? I'm not ashamed of the fact that I made a mistake. I say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I screwed up. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted like that. I shouldn't have yelled at my kids. You're right. Would you forgive me? And would you, walk, would you want to walk with me? Because I'm not there yet, but I'm becoming. I'm becoming more like Christ. Right? We don't need to hide. And that's the difference. So many times our culture, the Christian culture, has said you can't have sins. Well, you know what? I don't know of any of us that are perfect yet. I'm certainly not. Sean's certainly not. My kids are becoming more like Christ every day. But none of us have reached perfection. Paul didn't reach perfection. Right? So let's show up and be real. But let's also look around and say, would you help me become more like Christ? Each one of us has something that we have learned that the other person is looking for. You know, and if I am struggling with this, I can find somebody who's already conquered that. And I can say, hey, in a really vulnerable way, I'm going to be transparent for a minute. I'm struggling with that. And I've noticed that you have joy even when your life is crazy. And I'm really struggling to find joy when my life is crazy. So would you help me walk into that? That's vulnerability. And that person might say, no, I don't know how to help you. Okay? That's where risk happened, right? I risked. But I would promise you most of the time, if we have found a freedom and a victory, we want to share it with you. And each one of us have freedoms and victories that we have found that are different than the other. So there's, we can look around and we can go, wow, you know, Mary Nell has gotten to this place where she has such a hope in the Lord that every time you talk to her, she finds Jesus in the middle of your circumstances. So what do you do? 
when you can't find Jesus? Well, let's go to Mary Nell and say, can you help me? Can you help me learn? Not can you show me where Jesus is in my circumstance, but would you help me learn how to have hope and how to see what Jesus is doing in the middle of my circumstances because you have learned that. You know, how is it that every time I talk to Gwen, she has an encouraging word, right? So learn from her, right? Be vulnerable enough to go up and say, I need this. I need to grow into this. I'm needing to become more like Christ in this area. When we begin to do that, then we go out into the world, right? Because it's always we learn here and then we go into the world and we replicate it, right? We, we bring what we learn out there so that we can reach people. And so if we go out into the world and we're like, hey, you know what? I'm learning how to become more joyful, you know? And you have everybody, oh, it's Monday. We all have to be back at work and we don't want to be back at work. And everybody's grumbling and complaining about Monday. And then you're like, it's going to be a great day. And they're like, what? You shouldn't have that much coffee. You know, to say, no, no, I'm learning. Like, you know what? I'm struggling today too, but I'm learning how to have joy in today. And so do you guys want to join me? Let's learn how to become joyful together. Let's just choose to make it a, a pack today that says, I'm not going to complain at all for the rest of the day. You know, and you can have unbelievers choose to do that with you. And they're like, why would you want to do that? Because Jesus says that today is the day the Lord's made, and I'm going to choose to rejoice and be glad in it. And they're like, yeah, you're crazy. And you're like, you know what? But I'm going to be happy. Right? Like, I might be crazy, but I'm going to be happy while I'm doing it. But it's, it's changing the way we think, but it starts with vulnerability. It starts with being willing to say, hey, I'm not perfect. So Sean was talking last week, and he had said there's three, I would say, three foundations to being transparent and vulnerable, and vulnerable, and it's humility, teachability, and communication. He talked about those last week. If you missed them, go back and listen to them again. But here's the thing. We cannot be vulnerable without humility, right? It's kind of, it's very similar, but really humility is simply knowing who I am and being comfortable with who I am and also knowing who I'm not and knowing exactly where I fall. You know, Paul says it when he understands that all of his accomplishments were nothing compared to knowing Jesus. You know, like, I love the phrase, we're all equal at the cross. Every single one of us has to go really, really low, and we have to allow the blood of Jesus to cover us, in that we also know that we're not perfect, we're becoming. We're in the middle of becoming more like Christ. We stay humble and we're willing to say, this is who I am, but I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to become something else. Teachability just means I'm willing to receive and to know that I don't have to be the smartest person in the room on every subject. That's a core value for our staff. That's a core value for Sean and I. We don't say that we're the world's best theologians and we are the only ones who have perfect theology. Right? We're learning. We're becoming more like Christ. We study the scriptures and we learn more every single day. If I thought that I had perfect theology last week, this week I realized I was wrong. And if I have that habit very long, I'm going to suddenly realize I didn't have perfect theology because I'm becoming. I'm learning. And every time I open my Bible, I learn something new. I'm becoming more like Christ, but I'm also recognizing that yesterday, yesterday I didn't know everything. Right? We need to stay teachable. We need to be willing to let other people give and receive from us, right? And that means that when they give to us, we need to listen to it, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, no matter the vessel it comes from, right? 
And then communication. Communication just means that we're willing to have those conversations. Because what happens, I, I, read, a, I read a post the other day that said, have you ever had you know, somebody who just does one last thing and you just, you don't, you don't, you forgive them in your heart, they said, and you close the door and you walk away from them. Right? And there are some times when we have to set healthy boundaries with people. But most of the time, we're just unwilling to have that conversation. We're unwilling to go up and to say, hey, when you said this, it hurt. Could you explain to me what just happened? Or could you tell me what you meant when you said this? Right? Because you're working towards having healthy communication because vulnerability has to be there. And if we don't have healthy communication, assertive communication, vulnerability can't be there because we're going to get hurt and we're going to lock it off, or they are, and they're going to lock off their heart. And all of a sudden we're going to go, ooh, there's distance here, and I don't know what happened. And then we just we lose a friend. Right? In the family that we're called to walk in together, to edify, to exhort, to build each other up, to grow together, we have to remain with our doors open, which means good communication needs to be happening here. Right? That's part of what vulnerability and transparency looks like, is that we're willing to have a harder conversation that says, when you said this, it hurt. Can you talk to me about this? Let's have this conversation. It doesn't have to be scary. It's just real. But real is what we're looking for. It's what our hearts long for. We long for authentic friendships, right? We long for, like, most of us don't want a bunch of friendships that are just surface level. That's not, that's not fun. We want to talk about the depths of us, the depths of God together. We want to be able to grow together, you know? But if we harden our hearts and never have conversations... We just withdraw, and then we find ourselves isolated and lonely, right? Without friends, without the community, and we begin to fall ever so slowly away from the Lord because we don't have the, the family that he's called us to grow us into becoming, right? We have to be willing to risk with each other. And here's the thing. Well, I did say there might be some of us in here who aren't always a safe place. They should be becoming, and if you know that you're not a safe place, then find someone who is and say, help me. Help me become. Help me to not be judgmental. Help me to not be critical. Help me to not have people on a pedestal when they shouldn't be. Would you show me how to love well? Would you show me how to let people in? Does that make sense? Find people and ask for help. Become family. This happens so much in our destiny groups. This is one of the things I've loved about it is that, is that you know, the, the different reports of the people they're, they're talking about, they're like, oh, I'm struggling with this. And the whole group gets to go in and say, let's love on you really, really well. And let's call you into accountability for this. How are you doing? Last week you were saying you were struggling with this. Are you doing better? How are you, how are you managing this? Are your emotions better? Is your week going better? Did you scream at your kids this week? What happened? What's going on in your heart? And you're willing to have these conversations because we're willing to be vulnerable and honest because we know that we're loved. Right? I have a couple of scripture verses. And I want to preface them with this. Because we're family, this is what the Bible's talking to us. There's a whole lot more. I only picked two um, because of time 
it's just easier oftentimes just to give you two, but, but listen to the way that the body of Christ is to respond to the body of Christ. Again, this is not pastors, this is what you should do, okay? This is body of Christ, this is how you treat each other. The first one is Hebrews three twelve through 15, and it says, take care, brethren, that there not be anyone of, um, in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. But encourage, verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you see what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to encourage each other. Well, how do we encourage each other if we don't know what's going on in each other's lives? You know, is it, oh, be encouraged, Jessica? I have no idea what's going on. I don't want to know what's going on in your life, but just be encouraged. You should be happy. Put a smile on your face, Jessica. There you go. All right. Does that help her? No, it doesn't help her. It might even condemn her and make her feel like she wasn't smiling enough in church, right? Like, we, this scripture isn't saying just walk around going, be encouraged, brother, be encouraged, sister, okay, now everybody be encouraged and leave. No, no, no. It's actually telling us to get involved. Get involved. Recognize that, that the deceitfulness of sin wants to come in and to just move people away from God just a degree. And as a body of Christ, we're called to come together and to go, no, no, let's keep ourselves focused right on where we need to go. Are your eyes on Jesus? And as you're talking to people, you're hearing what's going on in their life, what's happening in their family. And you begin to hear just by the way that people speak, if their eyes are fixed on Jesus or if they've gotten stuck on their circumstances and they've become hopeless. If they've gotten stuck on their circumstances, then our job is to encourage them. What does that mean? To encourage them, show them how to lift their eyes back to Jesus. Right? That's what it looks like. But it happens in vulnerability. Right? If I don't want to know what's going on with you and so I keep myself in a nice little bubble away from you and just tell you to be encouraged, it, it profits you nothing. It doesn't grow you. We're not becoming family like that. You know, can you imagine if that was your, the mom? You know, she hears her child crying in the bedroom, and she walks by, be encouraged, son. Put a smile on your face. No. They go in, and they find out what's happening, and they work with them, and they hopefully are encouraging them to keep their eyes on Jesus, right? And they, and they speak to them. They're, they're, they're talking to them. This, I love this scripture because it's also talking specifically about not falling away. The body of Christ is meant to love each other enough to recognize that sin is looking for who it can destroy. And we're called to recognize and to love people enough that we're constantly seeing them and we're keeping them all together. We're all focused on getting to Jesus and we just keep pulling people back. Nope, focus back here. This isn't who you are. That's not where you're, you're not going to get stuck there. You fell. Let's go. Let's walk together, right? This is what it looks like to be family. Okay, the other one is in James, James 5, 13 through 16. I'm reading from Mary Nell's favorite passage or uh, translation, the Amplified Version, okay? So it's wordy. 
Is any among you afflicted or ill-treated, suffering evil? He should pray. Is any glad at heart? He should sing praises to God. Is anyone among you sick? They should call for the church elders, the spiritual guides, and they should pray over them, anointing them with, in, with oil in the Lord's name. And the prayer that is of faith will save him who is sick, and the Lord will restore him. If he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven. Confess your sins. Confe- I'm sorry, I'm reading this. I'm trying to read it in the NASB, and it's not working. My brain is trying to tell me what it says. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It's dynamic and it's working. Do you see the encouragement that we're supposed to have? This isn't just, oh, if I'm afflicted, I need to pray. Know that if you notice that somebody's afflicted, come alongside them and say, let's pray. We should be paying attention. We should be encouraging one another, right, into, the righteous, into righteousness. We should know what's happening in each other's lives so that when we see that somebody is being ill-treated or suffering evil, we can come up to them and say, let's pray together, Right? The, um, the Passion Translation actually makes it more of a community uh, mindset as it's talking. It says, you know, pray with them. If, you know, like, do this with people. Is anyone among you sick? Then we're supposed to call for the elders to say, hey, if you notice that somebody in the church is sick, grab some of the elders. Grab the people in the pre- Grab people who you know have been walking with Christ for a long time and say, let's pray for this person. They're sick. Right? We should love people enough to reach out with them or for them in the church. And then verse 16, confess to one another your faults. This is vulnerability, guys. That scripture verse right there, verse 16, confess your sins one to another, right? That's confess your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses to one another and pray for each other. That has to be done in a safe environment. That has to be done. Do you hear them say, and then the righteous person should make you feel horrible because you've sinned? You, they should, you know, rebuke you and make you go do five Hail Marys? You need to run around the church five times because you said a, a bad word last week? No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about rebuking them. What it does say is to come alongside them. Pray for one another. Do you see that? When I come up and I confess a sin to you, when I'm vulnerable, my response, if somebody does that to me, my response needs to be, thank you so much for trusting me with your heart. Thank you so much for sharing with me what you're going through. I'm so sorry that you're having to deal with that. I would love to pray with you. Is that okay? And then I pray for them. I don't just tell them I'm going to. I actually do it right then, even if it scares me to death. Right? Because they need you to partner with them. They need you to be right there with them in it. And then you know what love looks like? That looks like the next week you go up to them and you say, hey, how are you doing this week? Or you send them a text throughout the week, are you doing okay? I'm praying for you still. You're on my heart. You're on my mind. Did you know this scripture? I, I saw the scripture and I thought of you. Would you, like, I want you to be encouraged through this. I'm praying for you. Do you need me? Right? It looks like time but it also looks like trust. We have to be a safe person for people, right? 
And we need to know how to show up for other people as well. And so your, your, my questions for you today is this. Are you willing to show up and to be transparent and vulnerable with the people here at Harvest? Are you willing to come in and to start looking around for the healthy, safe people and to say, I'm not perfect, I'm trying to become like Christ. And I need some help. And then the other question is this. Are you that safe person? Are you showing up and when somebody risks with you, are you like, whoa, I didn't want to know that about you. Back it back up. I just want to talk to you about the sunshine outside. You know, or are we actually willing to go, thank you for sharing this with me. I'm going to steward your heart really, really well and really, really tenderly as I walk alongside you. Right? This is what family looks like. If we do this, we all grow towards the goal of Christ right? We're all going to grow towards the goal of Christ because we're going to know how to love each other well because we understand what love looks like. And what that happens, what happens with that is as we create a healthy church culture, those of us who have grown up in dysfunction in our homes, who don't know what health looks like, they begin to see it out here and then they can begin to replicate it in their homes. And what happens if we have 75 really healthy homes it attracts the world, guys. It attracts the world, and they go, why are you all happy to be around each other all the time? That's weird. How do, we, how do we create a healthy home? What are you doing that's different? Hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm becoming more like Christ, but I welcome you in to join us. Would you like to step into our lifestyle of transparency and vulnerability and show you how it's done? We might screw it up, and we'll tell you when we do, and we'll keep going, Right? It begins to attract the world because the world is searching for health. The world is searching for people who are real and authentic and raw and growing. They're not looking for a stagnant church. They're looking for somebody who knows that they're going after something and they're actually getting there. They want to see you go from the person that you were to a new person and to watch it happen and to go, if it happened for them, it might happen for me too. Can you show me what's going on? right? We have to get this right. This is why it's such an important core value is to show up like this means we can learn how to love well. And it starts with risk. And if we can't risk in our church home, where can we risk? Right? All right. So let's become like this. But let's also expose our hearts to the people who need it because it's really important, all right? Jesus, we just, yeah, we just ask that you would help us to step out of fear, because I know that that, this message brings fear, and it brings so many questions up for those of us who have spent a lifetime of being abused and not not treated well. When vulnerability, even in a church environment, has has been expressed, God, some of us have just been attacked. God, we've We've been hurt by the church. We've been hurt by leaders. We've, we've been told we should have been more perfect. We've been told to just keep ourself hidden. And God, just today we just choose to step into faith in you, to risk with you. Would you help us to break down those walls and choose vulnerability? Would you help us to learn to trust each other to be able to become like you together? as a family. 
God, we want to love well. We want to know how to love well. We want to be healthy in the way that we live our life purely before you, God. Yeah, so Jesus, right now, just, I just feel like we need to rebuke the spirit of fear and doubt. And so Jesus, we just take authority over a spirit of fear in Jesus' name. In our own heart, all the fear that comes flooding up when we say we need to be vulnerable. Jesus, we just say we look to you. We trust you, Jesus. You were the most vulnerable person who walked on the earth. And the Father God took care of you and he kept your heart pure. And he kept your heart whole. And so Jesus, we just choose to keep our eyes on you. And we choose to keep our ears listening to you when you tell us, hey, that person's not safe, but this person is. We're going to listen. We're going to walk with you, Jesus. And God, in, in any way that I'm not a safe person, I just pray this with me. Like, make this your own prayer. That in any way that I'm not a safe person, God, I'm not a person that, that can steward other people's pain or other people's sin or other people's faults, God. Would you please help me to become more like you? If I have a tendency towards gossip, God, would you close my mouth and let me hear your voice when you tell me to be quiet? If I have a tendency towards being critical, Jesus, would you just help me to have grace? Show me what grace looks like. Show me a person who walks in amazing grace and let me step in with them and learn from them. Jesus, I choose to adjust myself to become healthy. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.